Out of the pen, onto the mound, time for the second hour of Sports Talk. I'm Scott Beatty along with Evan Kahn, riding with you till 6 o'clock. Pretty big baseball game on tap tonight for the Chicago White Sox against the Houston Astros. If you're a fan of pitching, you might want to tune in. Dylan Cease, Justin Verlander, two Cy Young candidates on the bump. Last hour, we talked to Mike Grimm in Minnesota about the Golden Gophers. Also visited a bit with Jan Seeley from Illinois Race Weekend and the run to remember that is coming up as well. Appreciate her visiting. How you doing there, Evan? Doing good. A little disappointed. A caller in the first hour stole a little bit of my thunder. Looks like they were scrolling the Twitter um, as well. I didn't catch it. That's, I, that's, that's okay, you know. Just uh, I've got a few more things here that we can talk about, and that's all right. Well, it is still a remarkable uh, season that Dylan Cease has had, and you know we've talked about before. You know, is this not to mention Justin Verlander doing it at forty? Forty. Well, Why is there some guys <laughs> that? I mean, Scherzer's not that old, but I mean, there's just some guys that do he's it. Thirty-seven. Yeah, I mean, he's no, getting up. Not there. old. I'm there's not, some guys. No, nobody well, yeah, out there. Don't take offense. Terms. Yes, <laughs> and it's. But your ability to do something that well and then keep doing it at a high level. I mean, in the football territory, it's Tom Brady. I mean, how you keep doing that. Mm -hmm. But why some guys can do it for a year or two, have a Cy Young type year or Cy Young getting votes type of year, and then they're done. It That's the peak, and then it comes back down, and there's other guys that reach Jake it. Jake And then, yeah, I, I what, he was... Almost, he had a longer peak than people give him credit for. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and then, and then back down, and I mean Steve Stone is kind of that way. Mm -hmm. Peaked with one of them. I mean he'll he'll tell you he <laughs> he used his arm in ways that he just decided to go for it. Uh -huh. Like I'm going to be the best ever this year, and then I'm going to be done. Sandy Koufax kind of did the same thing uh, after throwing 250 innings six years in a row. He's like, all right, I literally gave you all my arm has. Now I'm done. <laughs> what usually a Hall of Fame goes to to ten years at least in in baseball, but Sandy Koufax, yeah, we know you're Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those peak peak guys. But it's uh, I, it's just kind of you know that's when you realize that you're watching a couple of the best that that have ever done it, and Verlander and, and Scherzer, and you know if Degrom throws on a, a couple more years, he he's kind of up there, and, and some guys just know how to pitch, and they figure out how to pitch as they age. You know, you, you think about Scherzer, he's still pumping it up there, 95, but he doesn't rely on his fastball like he used to, and Verlander the same way. And Wainwright, some people might put him in the Hall of Fame conversation. He's definitely one of those peak guys from this era that's had a, a whole lot of starting pitchers, but he went through it too. He had three, four years there where you thought he was done. He had four to five to six ERAs, he, he, his curveball wasn't working like it used to, his fastball wasn't working like it used to, and then he started mix, mixing in the sinker a little more and not attacking guys with the fastball, something Lance Lynn is figuring out this year. It's just like, 
we constantly talk about, you know, there's a lot of throwers nowadays. There's not a lot of pitchers, but that's just kind of how baseball is. There's a, a lot of guys that got some flame in their arm. They've got some bend in their arm, but a lot of them don't become pitchers. It took Randy Johnson till he was 30 to become a, a pitcher. He wasn't just a thrower. It's just baseball is one of those weird games you were talking about it now you know we think about big 10 football or basketball and you get some low scoring affairs and it's like well that's just how the big 10 rolls whereas tonight we've got two of the best pitchers in baseball this season and we're expecting a one nothing game and we will be very entertained by it Wainwright is one of those has he become a hall of famer kind of like Yachty not for any one I mean he had some good seasons and he was an all-star. He won a Cy Young, didn't he? Uh, did no. He, no, he got he, a couple second-place finishes. Yes, two seconds, two-thirds, and a seventh. I think of he got was, robbed from Kershaw. I think it was 2012, 2013. Yeah, but but just the, the longevity of basically starting in 2007, uh, and with the exception of the couple of years where he was, you know, the few years he's injured, he was always a double-digit winner, which I know wins aren't as, as much, but just kind of Mr. Consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, at some point, what does that count for? It versus a shorter span of really, really good. Wainwright, really good, sometimes exceptional, but all you know, not, not too many valleys. Mm-hmm. And that's something beautiful in baseball because that's what's so hard to do. I don't care if you're a pitcher or a hitter. <laughs> Yeah, and that's I'm trying to find a comp for him and I don't know who he's a comp that's, to. That's that's going to be the the challenge for this for the Hall of Fame voters in 10 to 15 years is how do we evaluate pitchers now? It's no longer the 300 wins or the 3000 strikeouts or the, you know, I don't even know what the inning threshold is, but guys like Adam Wainwright, John Lester, CC Sabathia, Guys that you would put at the front of your rotation for a, a good decade or so, but when you stack up their numbers against all-time greats, I, I, that's a lie. CC I think has the most strikeouts or, or one of the most strikeouts as a left-hander um, all time. But still, you know they're they're they don't have those you know three hundred wins and all that. But because they were so dominant and just the names that you think of when you think of the last ten fifteen years of, of baseball, maybe maybe they do get in the Hall of Fame one day. I really want to know. From pit from hitters' perspective these days, what is tougher? Because what's developed? What is what is the trend now? It's can you throw fastballs and just tight sliders and you know or cutters with a lot of you know just a lot of movement, but just basic stuff that gets past you and can you is your floor at ninety four to ninety five versus. Here's a guy with four pitches, and I really don't know what's coming next. Mm, yeah, and what that used to be the thing, mm-hmm. and 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 now it's I got these this guy that's coming in. He's throwing ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, and it's going to be a fastball or a slider. And then after he's done in an inning, I got somebody else coming to do the same thing. Yeah, which do you want to face <laughs> if that guy? If that guy has some modicum of control, but more just has so much movement. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, the challenge of today because there's 
so many of those different varieties, and they're always keeping you off balance. There's, they'll mix you up back-to-back. They'll have that guy who's got a four- or five-pitch mix right behind him is the guy who touches triple digits and just whips off a, a nasty slider. It's, the game has changed so much from, yeah, the, those olden days, you know, figure out your fastball, figure out your changeup, we'll get you a curveball, and, you know, if you, you mix in a fourth pitch, we'll probably put you out there starter whereas you you look at a guy Justin Steele who throws tonight for the Cubs he's found success as a starter this season really behind two pitches he's got his fastball he's got his slider he's got to figure out how to work in a a third or fourth pitch but it works and just some things work for some guys and some it it just doesn't but we'll we'll see uh, how the offense is fair here tonight uh, against the two Cy Young candidates. It'll be really interesting, but you mentioned Justin Steele, and uh, I was reading an article of, uh, about the, him and Keegan Thompson and about mm-hmm. how they might be solid middle-rotation guys for next year, and that may open the door for the Cubs to bring in a top-end starter and maybe Kyle Hendricks. You know, what will he be? Um, but do you want to shut him down, or do mm-hmm. you let him ride it out? Do you, when do you just say that's enough? Because we know we're done, and yeah. let's just let's just uh, not put the uh, inning load on you. Or is it good to put the inning load on? I don't know what the answer to that one is. Yeah, it, I'm I'm guessing they'll listen to what the guys' bodies are, are telling them. These are two vastly different guys, but also kind of similar in that they had injury issues while they were in the minor leagues, but Keegan Thompson's a guy who was a Friday starter for three years in the SEC, so he's got some things built up to him, whereas Steele, I don't think he's had a healthy season since like 2018, but he's taken the ball every fifth day here so far this season, and and he's looked strong. 101 and two-thirds innings. So I I imagine it's, you know, how, how are those six through eight guys looking? They're looking to get... Wade Miley healthy. They're seeing if Caleb Killian can dial it back in and, and maybe get him a, a couple audition starts. I imagine they do a lot more piggybacking. Uh, Keegan, just by circumstance on Sunday, only threw like an inning and two-thirds, if that, whatever the, the Reds ended up running up his pitch count. So those things will, will happen, but I, I'm guessing they get to a, a point, yeah, where it's like, okay, we're out of contention. We don't need to get these guys hurt, and if, if they've got the arms to, to get through, through, they'll probably get shut down sometime in September. Um, back to the, the what we brought up at the very beginning of the segment and what a caller brought up last hour, but in case you missed it, this is two 10-plus game winners mm-hmm. with sub-two ERAs facing off tonight. Verlander 15-3 and three with a 185. Dylan Cease 12-5 and five with a 196. Um, I know records are... S- Sort of a thing, not really worth mentioning sometimes, but it's still kind of a thing, kind of like a batting average. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't accidentally win that many games, I can tell you that. Right. Um, they are facing off tonight, and the White Sox last night rallying for four runs in the eighth inning. Uh, it was called maybe the biggest win of the year for them because of the position they're in. It shouldn't have been, but the Houston Astros are, are a thing right now. <laughs> and so the, the Sox really... Uh, on a four-game winning streak, above 500 at four games, I think for the first time this year. This is a big ball game. Keep it, keep it going. They won the first game of a series, something that they haven't done a whole lot of this year, and 
they outmanaged another squad. I mean, even Dusty Baker still can't get out of his his own way. He takes out his starter at seven and two thirds innings, puts in a guy who only throws fastball against a fastball hitting lineup, and what do you know? They hit the ball, and then maybe got a little assistance from the crowd on a pinch run. Maybe didn't. <laughs> Tony says he didn't hear him. I kind of buy it. The guy's seventy six, seventy seven. You know, maybe oh. maybe he didn't hear it, but also. I don't typically see too many managers contemplate a pitch running pinch running situation quite as long as he did. I mean, the pitcher was literally seconds away from stepping on the bump to get set, and then it, it would have been all off. But thanks to the fan for for shouting along. If the you way. missed it, because <laughs> I missed it until I caught it on the on the Twitter. Um, I f- uh, I don't remember the hitter, but uh, it was a situation that called for a pinch runner. And a fan very close to the White Sox dugout and within earshot of Tony La Russa, uh, told said, hey, Tony, put in Adam Angle. And it appears, it appears that Tony was sort of like, oh. <laughs> and then he calls for Woke time. Woke up from his ninth inning nap, you know. Calls in the nick of time for the timeout and gets Adam Angle in to pinch run at second base. Uh, take it for what you will. You can see the video for yourself. Yeah, he, the guy himself, of course, is taking credit. Yeah, Tony said, you know, we were contemplating what we would do for the tenth, but the whole point is you put in the pinch runner to win the game in the ninth, so you don't worry about the tenth. And you look at Aloy Jimenez, and as much as Herb Lawrence may have let himself down in not beating Yasmani Grandal in a foot race, I think I could beat Aloy Jimenez in a foot race. So it's not hard to say, yeah, let's put in a little speedier guy to win the game here. But Tony gets all the credit. They get the win. Dusty gets the loss. Pulled his starter who was rolling at 95 pitches, the guy who ruined two of the greatest arms that could have been for the Chicago Cubs. You know, we're going to pull the lefty at 95 pitches. It's just funny how times change. a soft spot at all for Dusty? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate the guy. I mean, if you gave me an opportunity to pick three or four baseball people to have dinner with, <laughs> I think Dusty might make my list. Probably. And he is so charismatic. And he, 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 he drove Cubs fans nuts. He's driving other fan, fan bases nuts because he, he can't just get over that hump. <laughs> he just cannot. But at the end of the day, I don't mind if he wins a World Series. He, hopefully he sticks around with that Houston team long enough that they luck into one because we, we thought he was all done and, and then he got this run and he's shown – Really, that he he is still pretty competent. It, it really has. It's it's always just kind of been the nitpickiness by fans. I mean, he's one of the winningest managers of all time. He's done it, you know, for three decades, four decades now. I think he started managing in the '90s. So yeah, we're up to four decades now, and and been to so many CSs. I don't even know if he's managed in a World Series. Yes, yeah, yeah, with, yes the with the Giants. So it's it been 20 years since he's even managed in a World his Series. His kid was almost run over in a <laughs> World Series game. So, no, I, I would have no problem. I, I definitely root against Tony LaRusso way more than I root against <laughs> Dusty Baker. All right, well, if you want to go root against Tony LaRusso tomorrow night or for him, uh, your choice. Or just taking a baseball game. Yes, or just taking a baseball game, which should also be pretty good. It won't be the marquee matchup of tonight, but it will be still two very good American League teams. We have tickets for you. Let's go ahead and be the third caller at 217-356-9397. It's a four-pack plus parking tomorrow night. 
to see the White Sox. 217-356-9397. And we have more on Sports Talk to get to after this. I do think we're a better football team than we were uh, going into fall camp a year ago. Offense, defense, plus teams. I don't know if that's going to correlate into more wins. I think their expectations and the understanding of what we're saying as coaches is at a higher level. Uh, I think there's a buzz in that building that uh, in the Smith Center that um, you know they know where they're at. They begin to feel and understand uh, the way they can play, and I'm excited to see it. As far as um, uh, you know, predictions or you know, I leave that to the outside world. I've said all the time in my coaching career, and this was you know at one point when we were being picked to play first in, a, in our division versus uh, last year, where I think we were. Uh, 14 out of 14 by certain people in the, in, the, in the conference, and my expectation will always be the same, and my prediction will always be the same. We're going to try to get better every day. That's Brett Bielma on predictions for this year, and I understand why there are useless exercise <laughs> inside a locker room or for a head coach. And I, honestly, I don't know how I would predict out the the Big Ten West this year. Good luck. I do think it'll be obviously East is. You know, if, if Ohio State doesn't win it, that's a big surprise. And I guess Michigan would if they didn't. But as for the West, I think you can make a good, an interesting case for four, maybe five teams. Mm-hmm. I think Illinois and Northwestern would be the only two that you would say probably not a division winner this year. So, uh, obviously, Iowa and Wisconsin probably have the lead, but Purdue has a very interesting schedule. Yeah, a lot of the the teams in the West, I think, have more to prove, especially based off of last year. You think about Minnesota, a team that probably thinks that that they could have done more when you consider their losses on the schedule. Um, Wisconsin, Graham Mertz has not been what he was against Illinois back in October of 2020. Um, you know, can can he take a big step forward? And, and yeah, Purdue, they, they've got the quarterback, but what else is there? And, and, and can they capitalize on it? So, yeah, and yeah, Iowa, you know, Iowa is Iowa. And Nebraska, <laughs> it's still incredible how passionate and confident their fan base is in that team when it hasn't proven it for almost a decade now. But they, they still believe. So, yeah, I mean, throw throw all the names in the hat and, and, and pick one. It, who, whoever stays healthiest probably and who can who can do the most on offense, right? Going back to, to the first segment, as many question marks as there are on the teams in the West, it's mostly, you know, are you going to gain any yards on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. By the way, Bruce Hink. Our winner for White Sox tickets tomorrow night. Thank you, Bruce, for being a listener. And we'll get you those tickets here soon. We'll get them transferred to you, and you can enjoy an evening at Guaranteed Rate Field up I-57. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the remaining questions here are for Illinois. They, they're, I, I'm. Re- you hear words about so and so's had good camps, and you know, so and so's had a good camp. And Bielma talked about it yesterday. Is that's usually translated into good season? Is especially if you're a veteran, one thing leads to another. I don't think there's too many guys that jump out and coaches go, "Well, where did he come from?" Mm-hmm. Because I didn't think he was doing very well in camp. They have talked up um, some of these, some of the the defensive guys, especially in the secondary. 
Devin Witherspoon, they've said, has a really good good camp. They've uh, On the receiving side, I still can't figure out who's third and fourth <laughs> options. But lately, it sounds like Brian Hightower and Pat mm-hmm. Bryant are in there in the in the mix. And that Brian Hightower might be a guy that finally puts this thing together. He's had the injuries, and he's bounced around. What former uh, Notre Dame or Miami? Which one was he? I get both. It was a big school, if I remember right. Yeah, they're both quasi. Him him and Kamari Thompson, both quasi ACC schools or full ACC schools. (laughs) Yeah, because Thompson is from Missouri, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... There, there is just kind of the question in how much of the passing game are we going to see and how many receivers are we going to see on the field at, at, at a time. You know, last year there weren't a whole lot of four wide receiver Miami. sets out there. He, he was from Miami uh, along with a uh, defensive back who has now moved on, or maybe he is still here. I don't even remember. But, uh, yeah, yeah, the being in the West, uh, Illinois fits right in. You know, how much can you get out of your offense? We've got the running game there. You would hope that Isaiah Williams is going to get the ball 10 times a a game this year and and you get to to see some stuff out of him. But if they can't establish a a passing game, especially outside of Isaiah, you know, they they just double team him, you stack the box, and then it's like, okay, you know, we've got the Illinois offensive taken care of so yeah they they're, they're going to need something out of that wide receiver room and from guys you know <laughs> looking at the games played here just not a whole lot of them outside of those top two that we know in Washington and Williams this has been making the rounds I don't know if you caught this uh, apparently game day ESPN college game day it's going to be a pit for the opener Is that oh right? okay uh, but the stat now there are only eight Power Five schools from which College Game Day has not originated. Football, college football game. Day. Yes, he should have prefaced that because yeah. Game Day's been here for basketball. Nineteen ninety-three was the first College Game Day. Okay. Can you name them? Or did you already look it up? I cheated. I saw this. I have it in my bookmarks. But they're the teams that you would suspect. Let me let me see if I can remember it with my semi-photographic memory. Some of these so, are very good schools. <laughs> there are some very good schools, and there are some very close schools. So we'll start with the Big Ten. Those three I remember, Rutgers, Maryland, Illinois. Yep. Is North, Northwestern's not on that list? They've been to Northwestern. They've been to Northwestern. Look at that. They've, of all the places. It was probably there in 95. <laughs> they've been to Northwestern, but they haven't been here. So there's three of them. I believe I saw Cal on that list. Yep. Cal Berkeley. So there's four. Uh, one that a lot of people were speculating might get one this year, Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. They're on the list, and, and you know we, we saw them. And if they can get past Illinois, they're kind of set up for a, a 7-0 and start. So there's those five. And, and I another rem- ACC school. I can't Actually, remember the rest. Was two it more Georgia ACC's. Tech? Did I see nope. Georgia Tech? No. Which, now that you say that, wow, okay, Georgia Tech's had one. Duke? Duke, of course. And Syracuse. C- Syracuse. And then what other Power 5 school... That's really good in basketball, but not really good in football. Oh, Kansas. Yeah. And, and Illinois, has missed. They, they've missed some opportunities. We kind of thought they could pick last year, Illinois, Nebraska. I can't remember where they ended up going, but it was the middle of nowhere, and it wasn't a Power 5 school, so, so they got one the 07 season. 
um, really missed the boat there. But they came here for basketball. But Northwestern had them in 2013 when they were ranked 16th, and they ho- hosted number four Ohio State. Mm. Got blown out. I remember when they were in Fargo for North Dakota State mm-hmm. in 2014. That was <laughs> that was really that was. They were, incarnate word. <laughs> they were riding the the win streak at that point, weren't mm-hmm, they? Mm-hmm. But uh, this year they're scheduled to start in Pittsburgh. Pitt is ranked number seventeenth against West Virginia, and then the game of the universe on September third is Ohio State Notre Dame mm-hmm. in Columbus. That's two v five. Right well, now. as I saw somebody suggest, it, it, I, I know that it, it doesn't stop them, but could ESPN never go to those three Big Ten schools? That is. A question that is unanswered. What will ESPN do with its Big Ten coverage? It can't ignore an Ohio State because Ohio State is such a factor. Mm -hmm. But do they start to mute? And what does that do for... Is that an unintended consequence of this contract media deal that won't include ESPN? Because where is everyone going for their sports television... It's not, I'm sorry, it's not FS1. I, I don't no. really know. Where else are their highlight shows? No, there aren't. The the casual fan, any any sports fan, you know, even, even to this day, like you said, if I want to go check the highlights or, or try to find the 10 minutes that they play highlights, I go to ESPN because that's where it is. You know, there are game day shows every Saturday during football and basketball season. I know that, that the noon kickoff show on Fox is kind of taken off here since they really have started pushing the Big Ten. But, yeah, people don't really go anywhere else for their sports unless you're devoted to a specific you know, network, NFL, NBA, MLB. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get, for Big Ten, if you have Big Ten Network, you, you can get your highlight show there, but the big show or, and whatever they put together. But that's only the Big Ten. When you look at, and I think sometimes they mention or they'll show a quick, here's what happened in the other big games mm-hmm. across the country football-wise. Center went through a change, and they realized they got away from what they were. Do you remember when they... For a while, it was just talking head segments, and it was usually about the NFL or LeBron James or Tiger Woods. Yeah, and that's when they were just getting into all kinds of problems because they got away from talking about sports. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or they were talking about sports, but they were talking about sports, but not showing the game. And the assumption was everyone was consuming highlights and whatnot digitally, and we don't need to supply this on television. But it didn't work. Mm-mm. And they came back to it. Now, I'm 42, okay? So I'm curious your perspective. I'm a as, man. Yeah, I'm a man. I'm 42. I'm curious your perspective as a clear-out Gen Z, right? Or are you still millennial? I'm I'm on the border. Yeah. Depends who you'd ask. You're, you're a mill Zoomer. Yeah. Okay, I'm X slash millennial. <laughs> but you could say I'm probably still part of that generation that wants to get their highlights from television. Um. I'm glad Sports Center came back to it because I will find it's like, oh, I can sit here and watch, and you're going to whip it around, and I don't, and I'm going to actually see things that happen in games. Mm-hmm. Is that how you want to catch your highlights and your packages? Do you feel like you're with the rest of your contemporaries? 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know where everybody else is, but from, from the standpoint of where my job is and, and how I consume sports, all of the, the talking back and forth, the, the digesting of it, I get that elsewhere where, where I want to go and find everything as far as what happened the night before what's happening right now. Yeah. I want to go to ESPN. I want to see the highlights because my Twitter just isn't garnered to to that to consume all of those highlights and when well, that AI is going to catch up now and and when you know November and December gets here and we've got college football and college basketball and NFL and NBA and and you know this off season and that off season I I just need the highlights for for thirty minutes and then I'll go find all of the the other info yeah I, I mean harken back to a time you know I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning and watch Sports Center twice. You know, to make sure that I saw every single highlight before I started getting ready for school. And, and, and yeah, as soon as they started going away from that and just talking about the Jets and the Cowboys and LeBron all the time, I just kind of tuned out the mothership. And that's when I dove kind of headfirst into baseball. I mean, the Cubs started to get good, so that helped as well. The Jets have to be the most talked about irrelevant team in the history of sports that's what put me over was you know we were talking about mark sanchez i saw the butt fumble for the 377th day in a row and i was like okay that's enough of that anyway well i think it's a question for espn is how much do they want to dive into the big 10 if it doesn't drive viewership to them but yet you if you ignore the big 10 you're going to cause a chasm mm-hmm and it may open the door for somebody else. Well, yeah, it's going to, if they don't cover the Big Ten, it's going to push a lot to Fox because they're going to cover the Big Ten heavily because that's going to be their 11 a.m. game every single yeah, Saturday. I'm saying, but what does Fox have in terms of a comp to Sports Center? Nothing. They don't, know. Who has anything that's a comp to it? Nobody. FS1 tried with the, the two guys from the Canadian network, and they got the can after like a year or something like that but like ESPN everybody kind of followed suit and and went away from the highlights and they just thought we wanted to hear everybody's opinion texter says college game day was at Wrigley for the Northwestern Illinois game that was a Northwestern home game for the purposes Mm. of the stats so and yeah so they, they haven't been to Memorial Stadium oh no But the Big Ten kickoff show's been there, though. They were there last year. Oh, yeah, that was a Big Ten network thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, So at least the Big Ten Ten supports Illinois. I mean, they kind of have to. There's 14 What would be the the crazy scenario for this year for them to originate here? See, I don't know the rest of it, but if Illinois is somehow undefeated at 4-0 going into Wisconsin— Mm, no, would they go to Wisconsin? But that's at Wisconsin. I think Illinois would have to have beaten Iowa and Minnesota and Nebraska and be totally undefeated going into November. And then maybe college game days here for November fifth at Michigan State. That's that's probably the crazy scenario, right? Yep. yep. That uh, that would have to be it because I don't yeah, think they Wisconsin moves not going to move you over that much. And I don't think uh, Illinois Purdue, even if in Illinois was an undefeated team, unless Purdue was somehow. Rolling if if also. they're both, yeah, super shocked. They're going to both be ranked, and then, yeah. So it, it would take a, a miracle season this year to get them in, and then you've only got one year left. Mm-hmm. 
All right, we've got a couple other baseball items on our hit list here for Sports Talk. Weigh in if you want. Castle Heating and Cooling text line to one seven three five one five three five seven. CU Trade Services is a great place to turn for maintenance at your home, be it HVAC, be it electrical, be it plumbing. They have a team of experts all under one roof. You can get on their preventative maintenance plans right now to spend a little before you have to spend a lot. They're also in a dealer and installer of train products when it comes to heating and air conditioning. And train is constantly upgrading the skills of their people to stay on top of Everything that's going on and new priorities, including taking care of the environment and the planet, it's just one of the reasons that CU Trade Services is happy to be a train comfort specialist. Call them if you're interested in a new system. As always, they'll do service calls, though, on any systems, no matter what you have in your home. 217-954-0385 for CU Trade Services. Scott and Evan here Baseball tonight features the White Sox and Houston. The Cubs are uh, taking on the Nationals out in the uh, nation's capital. And the Cardinals start a series tonight against the Rockies. It is Jose Quintana on the hill for the Cardinals against Kyle Freeland. To start that series, Cardinals 12 games over 500. And you got to win the division, it looks like. There's about eight teams in contention and really seven teams in serious contention for six spots and then in the national league uh so the brewers and who has the outside chance still at maybe the national is the, the giants? giants yeah that's it mm-hmm. so it's kind of more where that's everyone going to seed at this point on the on the national league side and still plenty of head-to-head matchups. I think two series left between the, the Brewers and the Cardinals. But uh, a, a nice rematch after going to Colorado last week. R- super weird schedule playing teams back-to-back. I think the Cubs just did that with the Nationals as well. So uh, they'll, they'll probably face at least one of the starters they saw last week uh, in, in Denver and try to try to keep things going from this weekend. Um, Quintana's been good. Montgomery's been good, so he's showing himself. That was a good trade. Yeah, so so they they've got the the rotation kind of working for at least the the next few weeks and to to get them to October. See if they can keep the the bats going. Uh, is Yepes back or he's on his way back? So, um, yeah, right. it's it's their division to lose really at this point when when you consider that the Brewers. Barely made any moves to to add at the deadline. If anything, they they just subtracted, and the Cardinals did make moves to add. So this is this is go time. Keep winning two out of three. Maybe run off another seventeen game win streak like last year. Well, the Cardinals seem to have a history of being uh, uh, some. Uh, yeah, the total is greater than the sum of the parts. Kind of kind of way of of doing things, and that might be the case here. You know, Jordan Montgomery. Might be a little bit of a dude here, and you might get uh, uh, Quintana having a little bit of a resurgence in a new uniform and in a contender instead of playing in Pittsburgh. So a lot of things coming together here for the Cardinals. It's there for the taking for sure. All right, we'll wrap in a moment here on Sports Talk. All right, Illinois finds its punters who are old for a college student and in Australia. And then here's how Lane Kiffin of Ole Miss finds his punters. Hey, you guys have also added a punter to your roster. Can you talk a little bit about him? 
yeah, I don't know a whole lot about him. I think he was down at the frat house, you know, like at a keg party or something, you know, where they got him <laughs> from. So we got some conditioning work to do with my guy, but um, we just yeah. said, hey, someone go find a punter around campus. And so we found one that actually used to punt in Division One. So you never know. Hey, you guys have all. He I, used to. I don't know. He's just hanging out. Used to punt for Nevada. I. There's just so many questions. I have no answers for that. <laughs> That's one way of blessed, recruiting to that position. Blessed, blessed to be in the South. Let's <laughs> just say that. <laughs> Somebody said punter, so I come running. <laughs> exactly. News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Champaign Multimedia Group Station. Thank you, sir. We'll see you all tomorrow at 4 o'clock. White Sox at 630.